This episode of the Back of the Bus podcast is brought to you by John and Danny's Love Boat. Come aboard. We incest. Welcome everybody to the Back of the Bus podcast. I'm Half. He's Black. We are coming to you live from the abandoned world of beer in Town and Country Mall. This is episode 9, The Nueve. Remember, you guys can catch our podcast on all of your podcast apps. That includes iTunes slash Apple Podcast, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Podbean. Every new episode is going up on SoundCloud because we don't want to pay for a full account over there. If you guys want to hit us up, our Instagram is at Back of the Bus Podcast. Or if you want to email us, backofthebusmiami at gmail.com. Still waiting for that first email, guys. Somebody come through. Yeah, nobody has sent us an email. That's fine. We'll get there. I just want to get some hate mail. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What do you think I keep throwing Trump shit in there? I'm finally is... hoping for one of these dudes to lose their I'm fucking I'm really mind. hoping for hate mail. That's all I want. You guys suck. We had one, like, hate comment on Instagram once when we did the Flat Earth. Oh, yeah. Some but... guy called you. <laughs> oh, man. He thought you were autistic. Yeah. He did call me autistic. That was fantastic. That was, that was not nice. That was fantastic. Well, if you guys listen to the show, you know that we like to start it off with a segment we call, ah, the atmosphere. Basically, what we do is we take a couple subjects that are, you know, kind of in our atmosphere, kind of things that we've noticed during the week, and we want to touch upon them before they burn up and we move on to the next thing that we've got to take care of. So, let's get started with... Ah! Ah, the atmosphere! Ah! So... On a serious note, Hurricane Harvey. Talking about the atmosphere, dude. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. As a great transition from the atmosphere. You like that. Huh? Hurricane Harvey. It decided to go hit the Houston Corpus Christi area and drop an ungodly amount of water on them. Now, I know you've all seen the photos and the pictures and the videos, and it is a tragic scene over there. All of that water, all of those people, all of those lives that have just essentially been uprooted, if not lost. All you can do is sit and think, what will our leader do? What will our leader... This will be the time, right? This is going to be the time. It was a natural disaster. Before that, these were all kind of the things he was dealing with. were all just kind of man-made or news-made. This isn't fake news. This is real life. And what did he do? He went on Twitter and pitched a book by his token black guy. The, what's his name? That sheriff, whatever. Yes. Yeah, that guy. So he went and he said that he put out a great book and that it was awesome and everybody should read it. I think the quote was, great book written by a great guy. And then immediately after... That sounds like the lamest yearbook quote ever. And then immediately after, he pardons Sheriff Joe Arapayo. Arapayo, I don't know how how you exactly pronounce it. Yeah, Sheriff Joe Arrepa. So if you guys don't know, he's a sheriff in the Phoenix area who is a dirtbag, racist piece of shit. And he was convicted for like racial profiling, prisoner abuse. I mean, just a laundry list of shit. And this guy just pardoned him. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. You had a racist guy get pardoned by a guy that's very that's been very vague on racism. Yeah, and here's the really the best part about that whole story is that a couple days later or the next day he said that the reason he did it during the hurricane that he announced it during the hurricane was because he knew it was going to get great ratings because everybody was going to be watching television. We have a sociopath as a leader. Narcissistic sociopath. We as people 
And this is one of the things that I've been very pleased to see will step up and do what is in the best interest of its citizens. You've seen that by the, you call them the Cajun Navy, I think, who are going out there in boats. All kinds of people. They, I've seen stories about first responders that were working 13, 14 hours straight. There's one great picture of, of a guy who he's literally like collapsed on the ground because he, he worked straight until he... You know, he couldn't move anymore. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to everybody, which reminds me, I wanted to say this a little earlier, but if you guys, you know, have an opportunity, whatever you can do, there's tons of things that you can do as far as texting in some donations. I think if you text in to 99099, it'll automatically ask you how much you want to donate or donate 10 bucks. But be careful, though, because there have been a lot of scumbags who have come up with fake GoFundMe accounts. Yeah. Yeah, the GoFundMe shit is crazy, but there's certain things that do your homework. You're all grown people. I'm not, I'm not talking to any kids here. And, and you know, if you can send out some help, man, send some help. Dude, there's people that are trapped in their homes. I saw one thing about a, a diabetic lady who was trapped. She'd got no insulin. Another one, there was a four-month-old baby that was trapped in their house with no food. Like, there's just all kinds of crazy shit going on. You know, it's, it's, it's a natural disaster. It's the kind of thing that a lot of the coastal cities need to start worrying about as climate change, you know, starts to affect everybody. People need help, man. So anybody who can help them out, you know, by all means, please do. A couple other things about El Presidente that kind of threw me off was he didn't declare it a state of emergency until like 18, 19 hours or some shit after landfall. So FEMA couldn't mobilize prior to the storm hitting to start kind of setting up its Their aid base or stations whatever. and everything else. Yeah. And never understood the, you needed the, I guess, go ahead to go into a place that you knew was going to be hit really hard by a natural disaster. Yeah, I guess as commander in chief, he's just got control over those forces the same way as, as he does over the armed forces. I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but there's red tape and bureaucracy and it's how our government works. But, you know, now we're in a situation where it's still raining. You know, this the hurricane hit a few days ago. They're still experiencing a ton of rain. Yeah, that that is crazy to me. The hurricane hit literally like a week ago and it is still raining over there. Yeah, man. It's pretty fucking bad, dude. There's pictures of just like tree lines totally Covered, covered in, in water. water. They've had trillions of gallons of water just drop on them. It's nuts. I'm worried. We had rain here like a month ago, and it basically shut down downtown Miami. It was not 1% as bad as this. God forbid something like this happens over here. We are so screwed. Yeah, so help them out if you can. Trump sucks. That's kind of the whole Hurricane Harvey bit. Trump decided to say the wall was going to be built, and if it wasn't built or put in the budget, he was going to shut the government down, like the petulant child that he is. Build that wall. Now, the obstructionist Democrats would like us not to do it, but believe me, if we have to close down our government, we're building that wall. If he doesn't get his toy, he will take all of the toys and go home. That's your boy. Absolutely not my boy. He was trying to get the wall budgeting put into a spending know. bill or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah, I think it was a spending bill. It didn't work out. And his message, which was Mexico will pay, Mexico will pay, Mexico will pay. Now it's Mexico will pay back. Mexico will pay by losing money. As if somehow Mexico losing money. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're still paying. That's still money. my money going over there yeah. to pay for a wall. So for those of you who, you know, support this asshat, this is what's happening right now. Your tax money is going to pay for a wall that isn't going to make a bit of difference. No. There is no statistical evidence. There is no research. There is nothing anywhere out there that suggests that a wall will keep these, you know, the 
people that you don't want in here out. It's just, you know, you guys want to spend your tax dollars, you go right ahead, but don't take my goddamn money. What's funny is I love to see the reaction of individuals who support Trump and who are like, yeah, no, Mexico's going to pay for this. No. No, they're not, man. Yeah, they never were. Why the hell anybody believe that to begin with yep. like you're you're operating under the assumption that our president can force a sovereign entity into giving them money for no reason mm-hmm. like unless he invades fucking mexico which i don't know why you folks would want that considering how much you fucking hate mexicans why do you think he, they're just gonna pony up this money there was never any possibility for it. Listen, that's like getting your neighbor to pay for a brand new wall for you. Yeah, dude. But your neighbor did nothing to ruin your first wall. Yeah. Or make it simpler. You're just like getting your neighbor to buy you a car. Why exactly. the hell is your neighbor going to buy you a car? Nah, that ain't going to work. Speaking of people who I don't think want to work for Trump... Your boy, Rex Tillerson, over at the State Department. Yeah, I had, I had no idea who Rex Tillerson was until he became the Secretary of State. When I found out that he was, you know, the Exxon oil guy, I yes. was like, well, this guy's a piece of shit. But he actually did some cool shit recently. I, I, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. I dumped on Trump and his whole cabinet pretty mercilessly in my personal life quite a bit here on the show he came up with this little doozy and and i applaud him for it Uh, a u.n committee this week criticized the trump administration for quote its failure at the highest political level to unequivocally reject and condemn the racist violent events and demonstrations and here was the president in phoenix this week talking more about the media than he was about the neo-nazis and the klan here he is The only people giving a platform to these hate groups is the media itself and the fake news. Does that make it harder for you to push American values around the world when some foreign leaders question the president's values? Uh, Chris, we express America's values from the State Department. We represent the American people. We represent America's values, our commitment to freedom our commitment to equal treatment of people the world over, and that message has never changed. And when the president gets into the kind of controversy he does and the U.N. committee responds the way, it seems to say they, they begin to doubt our, whether we're living those values. I don't believe anyone doubts the American people's values or the commitment of the American government or the government's agencies to advancing those values and defending those values. And, and the president's values? The president speaks for himself, Chris. Are you separating yourself from that, sir? I've spoken, I've made my own comments as to our values as well in a speech I gave to the State Department this past week. Mr. Secretary, thank you. Thanks for coming today. Always a pleasure to talk with you, sir. As you heard, I mean, he totally separated himself from Trump and he got called out on whether he separated himself and he didn't necessarily answer, so he didn't say it as clearly as I would have liked. But I mean, he still works for the guy. Yes. But I mean, he still pretty much was like, you know, the president speaks for himself, doesn't speak for me, doesn't speak for the State Department, doesn't speak for the people of America. Now, might that be just some PR bullshit to try and smooth things over? Maybe. Maybe he's just the nice face that they're putting out there to, to con us all. But he went on television and said it. And there's a lot of people who take what they see, especially on a channel like Fox News, at face value. Yeah. So. You don't think he's doing it to try to get out? Maybe so. I mean, I don't I don't know his motives. I don't know the guy enough to understand his motives. I've grown so cynical of just how all of this operates that anytime I see one of these guys on television, I assume it's a con. I assume that it's a trap. 
is just a way to pacify the protesters or the people who are the non-Trump supporters. I don't believe it until I see some actual action. But again, Fox News is a platform that a lot of people will, will go to to consume their news for whatever ungodly reason. This guy's saying it on their platform. It's got to mean something. Speaking of con jobs, you know what wasn't a con job? The McGregor-Mayweather fight. I didn't watch it. What? How did you not watch the fight? I know, it's funny because last week you were like, if you're not going to watch the fight this Saturday, you're not... You yeah, you're crazy. Wrong. Yeah, something's wrong with your life. Something. I'm married with three kids, bro. That's what's wrong. I am married with two children, and I still watch the fight. Yeah, I got home Saturday. I don't have cable, so I can't order the fight at home. And I didn't have anywhere to take the, the girls... Or, and the baby. So, like, my mom couldn't babysit. My wife's mom couldn't babysit. And I wasn't going to go anywhere where I was going to go watch the fight and drag the whole family along. Because, if I'm not mistaken, that shit ended, like, at 1 in the morning. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, my son would have been fucking tormenting everybody wherever we were. It, I thought it was going to be a disaster. It wasn't, man. It was a pretty good fight. Listen, I think we had all set the bar really low on this one. And collectively, we thought McGregor was just kind of going to show up. And that Mayweather was going to do his thing and be the kind of technical guy, play defense the whole time. And McGregor did exactly what you mentioned in the last show. He said for those first three rounds, he was there. And I mean, even going into the fourth and fifth, he was there and he was fighting and he was swinging and he was getting some licks. Yeah, on the ESPN um, card, he won the first three rounds. I was yeah. shocked. I couldn't believe yeah. he won no, any no, he rounds. Did. He did. And McGregor looked a lot better than... A, I think he shocked a lot of people. He went 10 rounds with maybe pound for pound the best fighter. Yeah. And Well, not maybe. I mean, at, at this point in his career, I don't know if he's the best fighter ever, uh -huh. but definitely top five. And look, say what you want, but Mayweather was still fighting out. He was still good. He was he was a little bit slower than normal, but he was still he was still Mayweather. You know, he didn't have the shoulder roll, that famous shoulder roll that he has, the defense, but he was still out there and he was still kicking it. And it went ten rounds. And I think in the end, McGregor said it best. They stopped the fight more because McGregor was tired than he was hurt, because that dude was not hurt. Okay, so I have. I guess I'll address that first, and then we'll get into the rest of the fight. So my mom, the next day, she worked. She was asking me about the fight or whatever, and she says, do you think they stopped the fight too early? I said, well, I didn't watch. But here's my general reaction to when people say a referee stopped the fight too early. Number one, you ain't the dude getting punched in the face. So who the fuck are you to say the fight was stopped too early or not too early? Number two, from what I saw in the replay, because I, I did see the replay leading up to the stoppage, he wasn't defending himself. His arms weren't up. He was stumbling backwards. Mayweather was just teeing off, chasing him around, and just dropping haymakers on him. At that point, what is the what is the motivation the referee has to let the fight continue? The man's not defending himself, and it is the referee's job to keep these people safe. I will always harken back to a fight that I saw as a kid. A big, you know, my I grew up a big boxing fan. My dad was a big boxing guy, and there was these two Mexican boxers, uh, Rafael and Gabriel Ruelas, and they were right around the same De La Hoya time frame. And Gabriel Ruelas was the shit. Gabriel Ruelas was like a a Gennady Golovkin type. Everybody he hit, he smashed. And he was leading up to a, a fight against De La Hoya. And my dad and I believed that he probably had a really good shot. And he fought this kid. I don't know what it was in the fight. Relas was a guy who would throw a lot of combinations or whatever. But in this particular fight, he was just... He, he overmatched the guy. The guy had no business in the ring with Relas. And he was just dropping haymaker rights all fight he never went down he this guy could not drop him it was kind of like similar to rocky four where his dad's holding the fucking towel and never throws it and the dude died man and at that point this guy's career was never the same he never recovered when he fought de la hoya he was gun shy 
De La Hoya kicked his ass. It wasn't even a close fight. It was a boring-ass fight. He never got back to his form. So I'm always going to kind of lean on that whenever I, I hear anybody say a fight got stopped too early. Referee's job is to keep those dudes safe. Why expose McGregor to these additional head blows if he's, there's nothing to gain from it? He's not going to suddenly wake up and start punching. He's clearly gassed. He gassed himself after like round five or six from what everybody told me. Just stop the fight, dude. He's lost. It's over. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to bounce back. That he was just going to find some energy somewhere and have a second He's, win. he's not going to get a fucking senzu bean. Maybe he will. But there is one thing that we can do. Yeah, we can give him a senzu bean. No. There's no fucking senzu beans in real life. Do you know? No, there is. And I know somebody in this city who ate one. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? That was my transition to Giancarlo, bro. Yeah, our senzu bean eating Giancarlo Stanton. When we wrote the show sheet for today, it says Giancarlo Stanton, 50 bombs and counting. By the time we clicked record on this podcast, he was already at 51. He was at 51. Breaking ball, Stanton drives it left field. That is 51. Way over the Marlins bullpen. And Giancarlo. The dude is on track to hit a billion home runs. Okay, not a billion. He's on a track. billion home runs. <laughs> Fucking gr- listen. If he hit, if he came anywhere close to a hundred, I'd be thrilled. Realistically, he's probably on pace for 66, 67. Right there you now. go. That would be five more than the Roger Maris sixty-one, several more than the Maguire sixty-three, and not quite as many as the Barry Bonds one. So. Depending on where you fall into the PED discussion, whether you think they're cheaters or not cheaters, and which home run records you count and don't count. Personally, I don't give a shit. Give them all steroids. Let them all hit home runs. That'd be the best. That'd Chicks, be so good for baseball. Chicks take the long ball. They're grown people, and if they want to do it, that's their problem. What Giancarlo's doing is amazing. He's a guy who always had this kind of power. He just never really had the plate discipline to go along yeah, with what it. Yeah, what do you think that was? What do you think? Because remember, last year, his hitting coach was Barry Bonds. Yeah. Well, I think that's got a lot to do with it, man. You know, plate discipline is is a big deal. If you if you contrast it right now to what's happening with Aaron Judge in New York, his strikeouts are way up, and that's part of the problem. Is that in the beginning of the season, almost every Aaron Judge at bat went to a three two count, and once you had a three two count, you're putting pressure on that pitcher, especially if there's guys on base where he's gonna have to give you something to hit, or he's gonna walk you, and if you're taking your walks gonna eventually start seeing those strikes because they know they're not gonna get you out on mm-hmm. bullshit in the dirt or whatever. Do you think they start walking Giancarlo? I don't know if those well no not right now because the Marlins aren't unless they're playing a team who is in a playoff hunt and they can't afford to lose. That's a different story. But the Marlins aren't necessarily a team that anybody's afraid of. And showing you how much I care about baseball and basically all of Miami, when are the playoffs? <laughs> uh playoffs start at the beginning of October. And then the World Series ends towards late October, early November. Awesome. So another thing that, you know, I was going to ask you, you kind of just kind of jumped on that is, do you think anybody in Miami gives a shit? I think we do. Yeah, we are event people. What number does he have to get to before it becomes like a front page story? No, I think it's a front. I think it's a front page story now. I think I think most really because the football season's like in a few days. I, I understand really that. don't think it's a front I understand page story. That. But I, I do think that the city is an event city, right? Let, we can all agree on that. Yeah. If it's an event, they go. You know what I mean? And watching him hit home runs, and now that he's doing it consistently, is somewhat of an event. I'm guaranteed. Look, right now he's at 51. If he gets to, I think the numbers, 
is like 55. If he can get to 55, you'll see more people going out. To, like you'll see well, at this pace, he'll be at 55 by like Sunday. Yeah, no, no, no. But you'll see people going out there being like, yeah, we just want to see John Carlo hit bombs. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I definitely think if he starts to approach the Barry Bonds 73 or whatever, then definitely, you know, you'll start to see. Do you think he gets anywhere close to that? He's got a month, dude. He just hit 18 in the month of August. So if he's at 51 now, 18 more is 69. So he can get close to that. You know what I mean? And 18 is not even the most anybody's ever hit in a month. Wow. He can easily rattle off 22, 24 bombs. Not easily. Let me rephrase that. But he can potentially rattle off. 22, 24 bombs in a month. What's the Barry Bonds record? 73? 73. You know what's going to happen, right? He's going to get to like 68 and then no. catch another fastball to the face. He's going to get to like 72. And in true John Carlos Stanton, he's going to let us all down and not get to the 73. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. I don't know. I mean, he he's a monster, dude. And his swing is is much more compacted. He's hitting the ball to all fields. It's it's really fun to watch. As a baseball fan, it is. it's no, fun to watch. Honestly, I'm not a baseball fan. I've never been a baseball I go to the stadium. I go to the, the, the ballpark because I like the ballpark. But I've never been a huge baseball fan. I will support the Marlins. They're my team. And, you know, they were the last team to win a World Series in Yankee Stadium. Not true. We won in 2009 at home. No, 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 no. The old Yankee Stadium. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. The one that Babe Ruth played. Did Babe Ruth play in the new one? Did ba- did the Babe play in the new one? No, he didn't. Where were the most of you? Where are the where are the majority of your uh, your, your 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 World Series one at the in, new one, right? In the old one. Yeah, and who was the team to win last in in, in, in the old one? Okay, that's yeah. fine. It was, I think it was. Uh, I have two words for you, my friend. Jeffrey, Josh Beckett, Jeffrey Loria. Josh Beckett, Jeffrey Loria. Josh Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's keep moving because <laughs> you clearly can't deal with defeat. I think <laughs> it's true. I cannot. It's I did. True. I did. I very poorly dealt with it in '03, and even worse in '04, the year that never happened. Oh yeah, yeah, that year never happened. <laughs> Why? I can't say because the year never happened. Oh okay, all right, no problem. '03, '03 was bad, but '04, whatever. It was the one where we blew the three-zero lead to the Red Sox. Oh yeah, yeah that, that it never in my. I, oh my god! And then they went on to sweep and then won the World Series. Yeah, it never happened. That was the bloody sock, yeah? That was racist-ass Kurt Schilling and his bloody sock. And his bloody sock. Yeah. So, yeah, Giancarlo, awesome. Hopefully, people do start going out to go see the game. Yeah, man. I would love to see him hit, like, 75. So far, there hasn't been any kind of inkling as far as him on any kind of performance-enhancing shit. So, people would finally get their clean record holder mm-hmm. that everyone's always talking about. Yeah, well, do you I think if he passes... Quotes. You think if he passes sixty-two, that people will start saying, "Oh, he's our clean record holder." Because I, right, because that was Maris's, right? Sixty-two, sixty-one, sixty-one. So if he gets to sixty-two, he beats Maris, right? And then the only other people he needs to beat are Bonds, Sosa, Maguire, right? Yeah, correct. And those, all those guys. Well, I mean, Sammy Sosa is not a performance-enhancing drugs, but he's on skin drugs. Like yeah, he's on a lot of shit. I don't know what he's on. That dude does not look like Sammy Sosa anymore. Like you're Dominican. What the hell is going on with your boy? Dude, Vitiligo is my only hope. That that's what he's got, but that shit is some extreme case. Like his, he's his pink. Face, yeah, his face is pink. He looks like a lab rat. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. So anyway, do you think... Late, people, late onset albinoism? Maybe. Do you think people... I don't know if that's a thing, but I just I just created it. Do you, can I ask this damn question? ask the question, god damn it. Do you think people will think of Giancarlo as their clean home run kid? People can think whatever the f- they want. 
ultimately, what's in the record books is what's in the record books. Okay. And Barry Bonds' number stands. For years, there was this asterisk next to Roger Maris's number, which is the dumbest shit I ever heard. I guarantee you, if Mickey Mantle breaks that record instead of Roger Maris in 61, and they were they were chasing back and forth until Mantle got hurt, they don't put that asterisk next to Mickey Mantle. But because it was Roger Maris and he wasn't like the popular, boisterous captain, center fielder guy, they did it. It's a stupid thing to do. These baseball, old school purists get on my nerves. Barry Bonds' numbers in the thing. Put the motherfucker in the Hall of Fame. He was a Hall of Famer before his head grew nine sizes. <laughs> just put him in there, dude. All those dudes just need to be in there already. Because they weren't great because of steroids. They may have had longevity. They may have you know, been able to recover from injury better. But those dudes were great because they were great. Just stop fucking around and put them in there. Or A-Rod with all his gajillion dollars. Should just open his own steroid hall of fame. Just the big, steroid hall just of fame. Just a big fuck you to everybody. I think that's what I would do if I was there. I like it. I do too. We're gonna go into some Netflix talk. Woohoo! So first up on our Netflix talk is Castlevania, a show I didn't watch. Yeah, so Castlevania they they adapted the popular video game into uh-huh. an animated series. It was a short season. I think it was only like four episodes. They were but they were like an hour or something, whatever, forty five minutes. It was awesome. Really bloody, really gory, so it's not for children. Okay. I made the mistake of starting to watch it with the girls <laughs> and then quickly realized this should not be happening. It sets up very well for the following season, kind of leaves you on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Like one of those like reveal this, but cliffhang that type yeah. of thing. So it, it's going to be really interesting. You know, it was a very faithful adaptation from people I've listened to. I didn't play a lot of the Castlevania games. Yeah, now I, I, okay, so all I remember about Castlevania is that I got it as a Nintendo game. I played it, and it was too crazy and hard that I just gave up. It always had a reputation. I think Castlevania 3 was like this crazy, hard-ass game. Mm-hmm. I remember having my little guy, and he would walk around with like a whip. And with whip, like, yeah. I definitely recommend it. Check it out. It's a good cartoon. Uh, the next season should be coming out fairly quickly, if I, you know, for what I've heard on, on an interview with the, with the show creator. Okay. And the guy who created the show, interestingly enough, do you remember a few years ago there was like this uh, video on YouTube of like a, a gritty ass Power Rangers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. guy is the creator of the Castlevania cartoon. He's famous for like these takes yeah. on these properties or whatever. Yeah, these kind of realistic or more gritty kind of... Yeah. And and they gave him, you know, Netflix gave him, you know, the budget to make the show, and, and it was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, definitely recommend it. Punisher. Punisher. Punisher was. Did you see how they how they released episode names? Yes, they did it in a very creative way, and I will give Netflix this: they are very good at their social media marketing. Yep. They know their audience, and they know how to get to them. They released all of the episode names in Morse code. Yes, so they did. I don't know how they figured. Who figured it out? But they figured it out really quickly. Well, sometimes they do these things where they'll have these either hunts or little scavenger, internet scavenger hunts, and somebody always figures it out. Some of the names that are that really stand out are is Kandahar, because you know the Punisher was in Kandahar. We know that because of Daredevil, Daredevil season two. The Judas Goat. I really want to know what that is. Yeah, I know. Cold Steel. I guess that's uh, that's the episode where Ben Stiller comes on and he teaches Punisher. How to do blue steel, but it's called cold steel. All right. Blade of steel. And then the season finale, Memento Mori. All men must die. It is an interesting way to do the marketing. The episode names, you know, really leave you kind of amped up for for what's coming. 
Another little side note on the Punisher was one of the Marvel studio heads was quoted as saying that another Marvel character may appear in the series. He was kind of cagey on about who it was. So there's a lot of speculation that it's not necessarily going to be one of the existing defenders. So people are wondering if it's maybe going to be Moon Knight. Maybe. Or I kind of threw out there, you know, to the Nerdos guys. I know that he really wouldn't fit the world, but they haven't done anything with him since they got the rights back. So maybe Namor. Maybe. You keep going. Every time somebody says that there's a Marvel character Namor, coming up, dude, you're I like, need Namor. It. Namor. I need it. I need, I need it in my life. No, it's not going to be Namor. Are you sure that it was a good guy? Well, they didn't say. Oh, because it could be Barracuda. Okay. Who is one of Punisher's big rivals. He, I remember I remember, I read a comic of his, and it was nuts. Like, that guy's just a big dude. He's got, like, a dead eye, and he's just nuts. Or Ghost Rider. Maybe he's could John, be Johnny Blaze. They Remember, because they had Nuke. Nuke was in the Jessica Jones series, but he wasn't Nuke. He was the cop, the blonde oh, cop. Uh, yeah, okay. So that was Nuke, but he wasn't Nuke yet. You know, maybe he comes back into this one and he's Nuke. You know, he gets the, the American tattoo face on him or the American flag tattooed on his face and he goes from there. Okay. There are a lot of people that they could use. Moon Knight would be one. I could see them transitioning Moon Knight in there. Maybe as the alter ego. Just start to intro him. Before, exactly. Before putting out his own series. Exactly. You think it'll be Johnny Blaze? You I... think they're going to... Remember, they, they didn't use Johnny Blaze in Agents of, Sh- Shield. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know. That's because they want to use... John- I'm, if I'm Marvel and I'm Netflix, that's that's a series I need to put on a Netflix show. Yeah. So that I can do whatever the hell I want with that guy. Yeah, I know. I really hope Nick Cage comes back. That'd be Get awesome. Get the fuck out of here with Nick Cage, dude. GLT, the finale. We have come to the end of a seven-week trial. Yeah. This was us making seven episode, one episode every week for seven weeks. You all missed one episode because somebody here deleted it. Yep, I did. However, we've come to the end. And did it live up as a whole to wow, everything? you're jumping into the big question first. Yeah. Holy shit wagon. Did it live up as a whole? We can get to the little bits first. I mean later. Did it live up as a whole what you wanted? You could be a yes or no and then we can go. The season as a whole felt uneven. Okay. I, that seems to be the popular opinion. I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, kind of throwing the same shit as everybody out there. But that's what. It, that's what it felt like. Okay. There was a lot of cool moments, and there was a lot of weird moments. And this last episode was no different. I remember back three episodes ago, and I was like, "It's lazy writing," and you're like, "No, it's not lazy writing. They've got to do this." And then literally the next episode, you were like, "Oh yeah, this is lazy writing." It just. We, we got to a point where you start to question the, the motives of the showrunners and their storytelling And why choices. they did what they did. Yeah. I was hesitant to do that because they've stewarded this story that they took from George R. R. Martin and done such an amazing job with it that I wanted to really give them the benefit of the doubt for as long as I could. And in the last half of this last episode, they redeemed themselves for some of the missteps during the season. Hopefully, and you know, they mentioned this on Talk to Thrones afterwards. One of the guys said that if you take season seven and season eight and put them as a whole, maybe we'll have a different feeling in general as a completed piece. Okay. Some of the limitations and some of the issues of this season was because of the truncated nature and the fact that they cut it in half. Okay. However, as it stands right now, there's a mixed bag. 
Okay. How about you? What do you think? I think that they know where they want to go, and they were just putting all the pieces in place. I agree. Since we're tackling kind of the big questions first, another thing that they Jason Concepcion mentioned on, on Talk to Thrones, mm-hmm. he said that part of what his fear is that the, the showrunners don't know what to do with the fantasy elements of the story as they are coming more to the forefront versus when the show was about interfamily warfare. Well, yeah, the show was completely changed. So... The show in the beginning was all about this family, this war, this war of the five kings, yeah, right? Interfamily politics and all that shit. Yeah, and it was easy to do because you could write that. That's pretty compelling stuff. You know, this guy backstabs that person, this person does that, you know? And at that point, the real magic, all we had was Melisandre creating some blood baby out of her vag, Danny with the three baby dragons, who really didn't, you know, that was it. Yeah, and Bran would roll his eyes into his back of his head for a little bit, control Hodor, and that's all we got. Well, no, 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 but that was that was later. So I'm thinking like season one, two, three, four, because... Me- yeah, remember- by, by season three, Bran was already traveling with Hodor, trying to get to the be on the wall was he warging in season three yeah he warged when remember when when they saw john when they were in that tower yeah dude yeah because he wasn't around for season five because yeah. it was a whole season without brand correct that was season five correct and we kind of touched on this last week do you think that it would behoove the showrunners to maybe pick up the phone call up grrm and be like hey so we're having a little trouble with some of this shit you want to help us out a little bit maybe Write an episode here and there because they're they're having a hard time with that man they i think that you might see that'd be cool to get what if the last episode is written by george by george yeah i mean i think that'd be fantastic other than, except for the fact that he says he's not watching the show and he's you know he's kind of pissed off about it because oh. they jumped ahead on his story but it, i think what the hell were they supposed to do they made they were making a multi-million dollar show and he stopped writing books like that's not their fault do you think at this point he's gonna finish no you think he's just gonna quit yeah i i think you know what i think it's gonna be detox i think dre for so many years he was after the chronic oh yeah he's making detox he's making detox eventually it came out and it wasn't what anybody thought it was gonna be you know what i mean yeah or guns and roses what was the what was the album that they always said that they had made chinese arithmetic or something like that Eventually, they released it, and it was garbage, but... Yeah, I don't know that if George eventually released the books that it'd be garbage. I hold on to the hope that he feels some sense of obligation to the fans that have been waiting for 20 years along with him since he started writing this shit, because the first book came out 21 years ago. So, ostensibly, he's been writing them for 25-plus. So, what you're at, what you're hoping is that a guy who's killed off major characters and basically given the middle finger to his fans because they've loved these characters. But You're I don't hoping. think that was him giving the middle finger. I think that was him. He purposely set about subverting the standard practices of the genre. So to prove that fantasy isn't just a thing for kids and dorks who play D&D. And, you know, for six plus seasons, this show supported that because people of all walks of life people who've never you know rolled an 18-sided die ever you know watch this show you know what i mean and enjoy it and it's it's a huge phenomenon we talk about it every week we talk about it with a bunch of different people every week and when it's gone you miss it you feel it you start counting down for when it comes back it's like fucking football game of thrones right now in american pop culture is like football you start getting itchy for when it's coming back you know that's all based on george's story 
I would expect that he would feel some sense of responsibility to that. I could be wrong, but that's what I like to think. Okay. I, I don't know the guy. He's not. We're not BFFs. We're not in, 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 a, in a group chat. I mean, I hope he finishes it for you. And I do hope that he gets involved in the last season. I think that it would be fitting for him to get involved in the last season. Yeah, I think if, he's gonna, if they're going to tell his story, he should have some... Say in the ending. Yeah, some, some contribution to but it. But is this next book the ending, though? No. The next book is not the ending. But yeah. the next season is, so he needs to steward that. He needs to guide that ship because we've seen, we've experienced a lot of really good shows that have come to their final season and have Falling shit off. the bed. Yeah. And they cannot do this to Game of Thrones. First of all, that will haunt David Benioff and D.B. Weiss forever. Yes. They would basically have to quit television if they fucked the ending of this up. And then you do damage to the genre because, again, people are going to be like, well, the show was awesome when it was family shit. And but as soon as, once, once soon as they had to fantasy. fight a zombie guy, this shit sucked. You know, and that was a point they made on Talk of Thrones. And, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. All right. So let's go. Let's break this episode down. First, we started off with the big meeting at King's Landing's Dragon Pit. Well, you were right. No traps and tricks. Nothing. No death. Not a damn thing. The only dead thing was there was the one that came out the box. Yes. So, I mean, props to you for calling that. Sandor. He was carrying that big-ass box. That was, it, his interaction with just with the box in general was hilarious. Yeah. His interactions with everything. He, yeah. Loki, this season, the Hound, Tormund, and Bronn, MVPs. Exactly. Let me ask you this. So, there's no Klegan Bull, right? That didn't happen. However, he approached his brother, and he said, Remember me? Yeah, you do. You're even fucking uglier than I am now. What do they do to you? Doesn't matter. That's not how it ends for you, brother. You know who's coming for you. You've always known. Okay, so you know who is it? Like, I think he's talking about himself. I think he looks at him and he, I think what he was saying was how, you know, you getting stabbed by Oberyn Martell is not how it ends for you. Only I can kill you. Okay. I think it was a threat. So right, outright threat. Okay. How'd you read? How'd you interpret that? I, th- I, th- I thought that now that he's looked into the fire, he's seen certain things and maybe he knows that this isn't like him and his brother aren't going to have this drop down drag out war that everyone expects. Oh. No, I, I took it differently. I thought that he was just saying, like, whatever you are now, that's not the end for you. I'm the end for you. There were a lot more interactions. You had Euron and Theon. Yeah, Euron continues to be a total dick. Love I know it. you love that shit. Love it. It's so awesome. He was first Euron, Theon, Euron, Tyrion. That, yeah. was, that was dope. When he leaves... To go back to the Iron to, Islands. To the Iron Islands. I got to tell you, and I'm not, it's not revisionist history, watching it live, I didn't believe that shit for a second. I didn't think it was part of some... Master plan. Master plan. But but you didn't think that it was... No, I didn't think that he meant that shit. When he's talking about, oh, I sailed all across the thing, and then there's the only thing that terrifies me, that's not the kind of dude that's going to admit that something scares him in front of a bunch of people he doesn't know, including and especially Theon. Yeah, exactly. That was bullshit. All right. You had the great one with the Hound and Brienne when they were talking about Arya. Arya. And they kind of just laughed like parents of a murderous sociopath. Oh, she's... She's the best. She's the best. I think the brawn and and Tyrion and, and Pod, Pod, that was great. See, though, this, this is the thing about this show, right? Is that 
that was for what was for so long what this show was built on is these awesome little character moments and then you had your big to do's mm-hmm. right but those little character moments was the shit that really made this show special that was a great reminder of it even just that little subtle thing of Braun saying yo let's go get a drink let's leave the fancy people to do you know their do shit. fancy things it was just that it's so true to his character how Pod looks for at Brienne for approval before he does it it's very true to his character yeah because he's very loyal to her so those are the little details and little touches that really make the show stand out right they could have just had them walk away without saying anything. Pod could have just been like, yeah, that's right, and never have looked at Brienne. Exactly. But those, Nobody all did. those little details are what make the show great. All right. You think Danny was being a douche by doing that big entrance? Yeah, I thought so. I was talking to, my buddy, to our buddy War about this right after the show. He felt that she should not have shown up with the dragons at all. Either that or maybe show up with one. You show up with one, you're still showing up on a dragon, you're still putting up the the show. But you show up with both of them, and Cersei picked up on that shit immediately. Yeah, that that one was missing. It creates the sense of weakness. It gives Cersei an opening. I I couldn't disagree, man. I thought that was a really good point. She should have just showed up with the rest of the retinue. At least if you were going to do that big entrance, try to stun on everybody. Show up with one dragon so that way people can be like, oh, well, the other two are back wherever. Because they don't have a rider or whatever. Yeah, they're, they're back at Dragonstone. But to show up with two was a mistake. Again, just in a season full of mistakes by supposedly very smart people, that was another one that might fly under the radar, but Cersei picked up on that shit right away. And I hate to give that bitch credit, but you know she, she nailed it right on the head, man. I think she wanted to put, pull the power move again. It's one of these things where this character hasn't really pulled power moves. She'll do it when she needs to. You know, she kills all of the slave owners, that kind of stuff. But she's pulled power moves, but I think a lot of the power moves she's pulled have been out of necessity. Yeah. This was... We get way too in-depth on this show, and like we try to look at every nuance and this and that, when most people look at it as just face value. She showed up on a bunch of dragons because she wanted to show up on a bunch of yeah, dragons. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think that you're that's fine if you're showing up to a red carpet event in the fucking Westeros VMAs. But when you're in the middle of a negotiation during wartime against uh-huh. your principal opponent, you have to bear in mind that these you're still at war with these people. You have to strategize. You have to plan. Maybe it was things. more of a of a don't fuck with me. I've got this. Like yeah, and to be fair, Cersei's like, oh, the dragons are vulnerable. She still has two of them, yeah. and you, your crossbow did your giant crossbow didn't do shit. I don't see how that improves your position substantially. If I was Jamie, I would have been like, okay, she only showed up with one and she roasted our entire army. Which is another question I have. She keeps talking about pulling back her forces and not wanting to pull back her What forces, dude? Everybody that, sh- that was in the loot train attack, what a stupid name. That's where they missed George. Everybody that was there either died or bent the knee. Yeah, you're right. So what forces is she talking about? Well, now she's going to get them. Okay, but she's talking about right now, she was going to march forces north. What forces you got? Oh, well, maybe she's... Remember the Lannisters? They all left... They all left. Yeah, they were part of that loot train fight. Yeah, they were. So unless, you know, and she doesn't have Dorne. She doesn't have the Riverlands. She doesn't have the Stormlands. Again, lazy writing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, just let's talk about shit that doesn't exist. Her baby exists. Do you think she's using that as a scapegoat? For what? A scapegoat for what? Not as a scapegoat, as like a decoy. I mean, she she used it as a decoy against Tyrion in, in that scene. Again, another character who usually does smart things... 
doing stupid things. Well, he's had a whole season of that. So at this point, I'm beginning to question. Just him in general? Yeah. Maybe the wine has gotten to him. Pretty fucking blatant by now. We've been talking about that for a couple episodes already. By now, it's pretty obvious. Because he goes in that room. Great scene. I mean, Dinklage and Hetty oh, yeah. killed that scene. Listen, for everything that you want to talk about, the writing, the acting was great. In the whole, the, the acting has been great. Absolutely. And they killed that scene and the emotion that they are both able to convey. Awesome. And how she can just flip a switch from psycho murderers to distraught mother. She's amazing. couple of things coming out of that scene, though. First of all, why didn't she kill Tyrion? I think she knows that if she did, that it would be all out war. I think Cersei's playing the long game. She This was after she saw the, the white, right? So she knows that they're real. She knows that regardless of what happens with her troops, these guys are still going to go up north to protect Westeros, basically. Yeah. Right? So, she But she's kn- hoping for that because she wants to pick the bones of what's left. Exactly. And if she kills Tyrion, then they're, in- they're, they're going to take care of her then and there. By not killing him, she buys herself time. I guess. I mean, they're in her throne room or chamber. He went in there expecting to die. Everybody in there, everybody that was there expecting him not to come out. So... I don't expecting know. and actually and actually doing are two totally separate, two totally different things. Okay. So he could have gone in there, and had he not come out, then what do you what do you think Danny's going to do when her hand is murdered? You're probably right. It just felt odd. She's put a bounty on his head. She's tried several times to have him killed, and now she's got him in her clutches and lets him go. This all came after the fact that she was talking about family and how she adores family, and she, but she's and, never adored him. So here's so perfect. Perfect. So then his question number two, and we're going to get back to the baby question in case you guys think I'm just going all over the place, but I'm going in this order for a reason. Question number two is, why does she blame Tyrion for Tommen and Marcella dying? Marcella, I get because he sent her to Dorne. Yes. But Tommen? What the fuck did he have to do with Tommen dying? Tommen's dead because of her. Well, no. Tommen would have never been king. And had he never been king... But he, but he didn't kill Joffrey, so that's not his fault either. But he was involved. He was not involved. He was totally involved. He was not involved. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was Lady Olena and Littlefinger. Oh, yeah. Fucking guy. So he didn't he didn't kill Joffrey. He didn't know that shit was going to happen. Huh? He you got to remember, dude, as fucked up as Joffrey was, he was Jamie's son. Tyrion loves Jamie. So he wouldn't kill Jamie's kid. I guess you're right. Maybe she blames him for everything. Yeah. Well, clearly she always has. So then that question three is. This is just, again, a writing question, not so much a character motivation question. But when she's like, oh, poor little man, your papa was mean to you. He tried to have him killed. He sentenced him to death. And then he banged the woman that he loved. Death is the same thing that you're upset about him causing was going to be caused on to him. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was bad logic on her part, the way that was phrased. That brings it back to the baby question. He realizes she's not drinking the wine and she's holding her stomach. I mean, she's basically like neon signing, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And then he falls for it. She turns around. She's not going to do anything of what the plan they agreed to. So Tyrion's an idiot for falling for it. He got conned by the baby, right? Like she saw she was pregnant, and I think maybe he fell back into that same trap of, well, as Jamie's kid, I wouldn't want to hurt Jamie. I'm gonna make a deal. What do you think? Maybe. How far of a deal? Like how big of a deal is it? Because well, clearly it's not a big deal at all because he thinks that on he, his part. Yeah. Well, he thinks that he made a deal with her, right? Right. So even if he did, so for example, say that he made a deal that. That in the end, he was going to backstab and, you know, hand over Danny or whatnot, right? 
Right. Take the worst possible thing he could he could deal. That deal was all based upon the fact that Cersei was going to send troops north. North. Clearly, that's not happening. Yeah. But so whatever deal he made with her, even if he did make a deal with her, is null and void because she's not following through on her end. Well, but maybe that maybe that was wa- part of the deal. Yeah. For what though? To what avail? So that he could leave the room, not 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 dead. I don't know, dude. All I know is that when you combine that with that look on his face when when they're, when he's in the boat later watching certain events unfold, it didn't speak very well for his motivations as a character going into the next season. No, it didn't. But then again, we know that the writers are not Trolls. afraid. Yeah, we know that the writers now are not afraid of just dropping hints that might lead us one way, and they're not the case. True that. In reneging on this deal, doesn't this do exactly what Cersei was talking to John about not wanting? She mentions that she can't forget what she saw north of the wall, but she can't pretend that Cersei's not going to march her invisible forces to take back all the ground that she's already gained in Westeros. So, again, Tyrion fails as a hand. This is supposed to be his arena, right? Like, this is supposed to be the part he's yeah. good at. You know, war strategy is one thing, but politics... Is another. Is another. Well, for all he knows, and we, again, we don't know this all happened off screen. For all he knows, maybe he thinks he won. I know, you but know? that's a problem. He should know better. That's what I'm talking about. Like, he should be better at this. He should have sniffed that out. He's not brand man. He, he can't just read well, everyone's mind. But, dude, Cersei's not a hard read, dude. We talked about this last week. There's no way she was going to play along. And this is his fucking sister, dude. There's well, no way. Okay, you're absolutely right. But she also did see a White Walker. And so they're a white. more... A white, sorry. A white. And th- so they're more willing to believe that she's going to play along because they brought something that changed the that changed the board. Yo, how about Kyburn and his chubby that he popped with a hand looking at the white yeah um but i mean kyburn's done better i mean look the mountain's still alive and the mountain doesn't use white walker or anything you know what i mean yeah so to wrap up king's landing cersei and jamie they finally broke up like weird weird way to describe it but yeah it's true they broke up yeah we are never ever ever getting back together yeah so that was another great scene between the two of them cersei and jamie and it might be the final straw you know, there have been things that, that Cersei's done that Jamie didn't agree with. And he kind of swallowed it. And he kind of swallowed it. The Red Keep being one of them. and Or the, the sorry, not the Red Keep. Except the Baylor. Except the Baylor being one of them. And th- this was it. This was it. Because here's the thing. More, more than anything, Jamie knows what's going to happen. He knows that he, he feels like everyone else does. That this isn't so much a war anymore against these families. That, that war is done. That, you know, this is a war about life and death. For her... To alienate really her most important ally because the mountain is her bodyguard and, and her protector or whatever. Uh-huh. But Jamie is the one that came up with the Casterly Rock idea. He, yeah. He's got a mind for warfare and strategy. And, and she's his, got a mind for his, murder. And his loyalty was not robotic or or forced. His loyalty was motivated by his love for her. Yeah. And for her to break that threatened to kill him and then let him walk was pretty crazy yeah i and you know what's really crazy is that after she let let Tyrion walk and then the same thing happened with jamie i was like oh man maybe maybe that's it maybe maybe jamie is gonna die and for a split second i thought he was oh, gonna turn yeah. around and walk away and, and a, this guy was sword, gonna fucking grab yeah the sword was just gonna go straight through him oh so did i dude i was like dude do not walk 
run out of the fucking room, dude. Yeah. Hurry your ass up. She's really turning out to be the Mad Queen because she's the one who can't see what's going on. She is, but she's not because Mad King would have fucking smoked Tyrion, Jamie, and everything else be damned. Okay, yeah, and using Dragonfire to blow up the subject Baylor is not Mad, Mad Queen-ish No, at no, all, no, right? for sure. I don't disagree with you in that aspect, but in this particular case, she... I can see strategically why she maybe not didn't kill Tyrion, but Jamie, I don't know. There's yep. no explanation for that. I guess not. Um, all right, so that's King's Landing. Now we can get to my favorite part of this story, which is what? Winterfell. Ugh. Bro, we knew it was coming. It had to happen. And in the end, that Arya bastard gangster. got what he deserved. He did. And the best part was when she cuts his throat and then turns his back on him, turns her back on him as he's dying and doesn't even bother to like watch it happen. Yeah, she's like, I don't care. So hood. Yeah. She's so dope. You think she takes his face? Of course she takes his face. If you're her, anybody who dies, I take their face. Just random dude dies of hunger, and I'm taking his face. It's a scene that we've seen play out in a lot of other movies where this guy who's been men- menacing behind the scenes and scheming finally gets his comeuppance, and he looks to like his crew, and he's like, yo, you guys got my back, and the guy was just... I am Lord Protector of the Vale, and I command you to escort me safely back to the Eyrie. I think not. The other really dope part in... People already making a ton of memes about this shit was just when he slid in the corner and she's like, whatever, how do you answer to these charges, Lord Baelish? And he's just like, wait, what? Yeah, he's the new blinking white guy. Yeah. I I didn't know know what blinking white guy was until they mentioned it on the internet and looked it up. It was crazy. Yes. What I want to know, though, and again, we're not, I don't want to get into this whole how they built it up because we've already talked about this whole how the show kind of knew they were getting to Littlefinger getting murdered and they just placed these, I guess, red herrings. Of, oh, maybe the Stark sisters are going to go against each other, you know? And in the end, it wasn't. Yeah, we talked about that on last week's show. It's just, it was difficult because as a viewer, you're privy to information that Littlefinger was not privy to. So that was a weird line for the showrunners to to draw. Also think it goes back to their aversion to the magic in the world because Bran was here. Bran made an appearance. Brad dispensed vital information that he could have only gotten using his powers. Mm -hmm. And instead of showing us that in a way where i think they would have solved all of the misgivings people had with the storyline had they showed one conversation between the three of them about this issue in addition to the knife yeah original knife one yeah one one conversation and then you do the whole thing for their benefit but it was a sloppy writing choice to have the two girls argue in a room alone as a way to trick Littlefinger, that didn't make sense we got there sloppily or not it was super satisfying i jumped out of my chair when she when sansa looks over and and reads the list of charges. Yeah. And then when Bran's like, oh, you did, you put a knife to his throat and da 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 da. I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Now what you gonna say, bitch? <laughs> like, I just, I, I was, oh man, dude, I was so hyped. Do you think this was the show ending the whole family politics part? Because essentially Littlefinger was the one who started this whole show. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He started. He started all the actions that led up to this. Right. And we've been talking about how the show is now going to have to focus more on the fantasy elements, the dragons, the the rites, the magic, that kind of stuff. Because going forward, you need to focus. That's how you figure out how to beat the White Walkers. There's no family dynamic with the White Walkers. I actually disagree. And Stark. I think that the reason Cersei was kept alive was so that they can continue to have those elements of the story to balance out the magical. The fantasy? Yeah. I think the showrunners are hesitant to just dive straight into the fantasy elements of the story. 
Because if they were, we all, a lot of people, including myself, believe that this season would have resolved the Iron Throne. And then next season, all six episodes was living versus the dead. And we didn't get that. Okay. We didn't get that. Maybe when this ends, they all die. Increasingly, I'm starting to to believe that you're not going to get a happy ending, which is kind of what George was intending. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, you, you don't get this happy ending. You don't get, you know, I always think that there's going to be some sort of sacrifice towards the end. I don't think it's going to be happy. I don't think it's going to be a sad ending, but I think it's going to be a... We weren't going to get into full predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do a show for that when the show's getting ready to come back on. But I think that we're leading to a point where John and Danny have a baby. So time is going to take a significant leap forward at some point in the story. John and Danny will have a baby. Danny will die in childbirth because that seems just to be a common thread throughout this story. John will die fighting the Night King. Sansa and Arya are the guardians of the baby until he comes of age to rule the Seven Kingdoms. I think that's where this story ends. Okay. I tend to disagree. I think that they will have a baby. I think that Danny dies in the war with the Night King, and that I think John raises the child, and you know they they go on, and John goes on to rule the Seven Kingdoms. John dies. You think John dies? John dies. Okay. All right. John dies. If you look at his story arc, it's the only ending. I, listen, ideally, no. Ideally, they she gets pregnant, they get married, they have a baby, they smoke everybody, and the show ends on their fucking awesome wedding in the newly rebuilt sept in King's Landing. Or in whatever the new capital is. Yeah. Something dope and happy, like Princess Brightish. Yeah. Right? That'd be my ideal ending just because I'm a sucker for the story. <laughs> and for those characters, as nihilistic and cynical as I can be, I'm I'm all in on John and wanting him to win. Right? Okay. Just based on the way the story has developed, I don't think that's the case. I think that while John is the central figure in the story, you know, he's kind of eclipsed Danny as a central figure in the story. I think what's always held the story together has been the other Starks. And so that's what ultimately they've been prepared for is to raise the heir and be his counsel and be Sansa will be the hand and Bran will be his master of whispers. And he's the fucking ultimate master of whispers. I mean, is he though? Because fucking Sam walks into that room and says, oh, he's a Sam. He needs to know the truth. The truth about what? About himself. No one knows. No one but me. John isn't really my father's son. He's the son of Rhaegar Targaryen and my aunt, Lyanna Stark. He was born in a tower in Dawn. His last name isn't really Snow. It's San. He's not. Dornish bastards are named San. At the Citadel. I transcribed a High Septon's diary. He annulled Rhaegar's marriage to Elia. He wed Rhaegar and Lyanna in a secret ceremony. Are you certain? It's what the High Septon wrote in his private diary. I don't know why he'd lie. Is this something you can see? Dude, so when I saw that you put this on the on the app, my fucking nipples got hard because I was going to put this shit too and... It's an amazing question. So here's the answer to the question. And you answered it yourself. Okay. Think about the Matrix. Okay. They have access to anything they want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can know anything they want, but they got to download it first. Okay. Same shit. He can see anything he wants, but he's got to know what to look for. Or just think about the internet. 
I can find right now, I can Google fucking elephant porn and find something related to that. But you can't. So, yes. But I, I don't. But so I let's take the elephant I porn. Auto- You've never seen elephant porn, but you can. You're like, okay, I know it's there, so let me go find it. And then once you see it, you're like, ah, oh, this is what happens. Correct. So when. He's not omniscient in the sense that all knowledge is already in his brain. He's just able to access the knowledge when he needs it and when he's directed to find it. Okay. You know, otherwise, you really don't have a story. At the point where he became a three-eyed raven, this story should have been over. Because he could have just been like, nope, just don't do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. Game over. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was that they cast Rhaegar and nobody found out. It was amazing. I was like, what? Was it the same guy? No, no, as as who was Viserys? Yeah. No, no, not even close. Okay. I did not like the fact though that his hair was the same length as Viserys because in uh, in a lot of the drawings and shit. I mean, again, those are fan made or whatever. But yeah. Even in some of the descriptions, his hair should have been like a little longer. Okay. I thought that was I thought it was great. You know the way they did the reveal and they intercut it with Danny and and John going at it. Yeah. You know the. It made you feel weird, though, because that was the reveal that they're related n- related, and then they're banging. I love how over seven seasons, we've gone from incest is disgusting to eh, we're going to accept this. Actively rooting for it. Yeah. I've, I've been actively rooting for this outcome for the longest time. So that leads me to, to the question is what happens when John inevitably finds out? I think that John just he doesn't denounce his name. Well, no, let's not get to his name. Let's just let's just right now as it relates to their relationship. I think it doesn't matter. John wasn't raised as a Targaryen. You can say John's parents were whomever, and he's going to be like, no, but I was raised by Ned and Kevin yeah, Stark. I, I don't know. John's John's go. a weird cat. I think he'll be like, oh shit, that's my tia. Like, hold up, or or maybe Danny will freak out. I think that probably what you'll see is it'll bring them apart for a little bit, and then she'll realize she's pregnant. And then John's going to be like, well, I can't have no bastard kids running around because I spent my whole life thinking I was a bastard and it sucked. Mm-hmm. And then that will be what brings them back together. But I think at first, the news that they're related will cause a problem. I don't think that the news that he's really the rightful heir to the throne will cause a problem the way everybody thinks. Yeah. And if it does, it's lazy writing because he's already they're already banging. So... The fact that he's got a great claim to the throne and that so does she should just make this so much easy. easier. Like, all right, awesome. Now there's no reason why we shouldn't be together. Yeah, but you know it's not going to be that easy. Yeah, but it's but it'd be stupid. It's just, it would be bad storytelling to let that get in the way. Their concerns about the incest is one thing, but the legitimacy of each one's claim or whatever at this point is pointless. Like, that's just, all right, awesome. You, me, great. We win. Okay. I mean, it could all be so easy, but... It's not going to be because that's the fucking way this goes. So the big question that I got from this last episode was, is it ice or lasers? There's a freaking laser. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if it was lasers, if the dragon was just breathing lasers? Yeah, that'd be great. What a fucking scene, though, dude. The shot when you just see the the whites all standing there and then the blue hue of the laser just kind of coming over their faces or whatever Mm -hmm. was so fucking dope. And then the, the kind of zoomed out shot when he's just standing there flapping and just pouring, you know. Yeah, and he looks like he's riding a carousel, yeah. uh, like the little kids in front of a Sedanos. So great. Just going up and down. So great, dude. He was just fucking murdering that wall. 
Tormund and, and Beric all right, or they die? No, I think they're all right. You can't kill those people with. Uh, you can't kill those guys off screen. So I think that they're all right. I think this is going to be tricky because the Whites and the Walkers are going. I guess they're headed south, right? So essentially, they're going to bypass Castle Black. Like if they're right. headed straight south, they're not hitting Castle Black then. Right. Correct. If Tormund and Beric are there, they can head to west. Castle Black. To Castle Black to send out ravens. They, I don't see them going unless they, you know, kind of make this like long. Well, they can't go straight south because then they'll run right into the fucking army of the dead, and that'll exactly. be problematic. Exactly. So they now have to do if they wanted to get back there, they would either have to wait for the army of the dead to go through the wall, and then hope that there was a boat at Eastwatch that they could jump on and sail. Here's another question: Why didn't the Night King wait and add all of those people to his squad? All the people he killed at the wall. How do you know he didn't? Or how do you know that one of the White Walker or some of the White Walker generals didn't are, stay behind or whatever? Yeah, didn't stay behind okay. and do it. But know? then, well, here's the other question: Had he not got that dragon, what would he have done? Oh, I know. So that kind of goes back to the concept of no. I think I think this is more tied into the concept of who is the Night King. He knows. He knew that Danny and them. Which would actually, if you if you think about it, would explain why it took them so long to get from where they were. Because he was waiting. To the wall. Because he was just biding his time. Yeah. He was waiting for the dragons to grow and da-da-da because he knows how this plays out. Does that mean he's Bran? Or does that mean that he's a Stark who also has green seeing ability? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I think it would be a poor choice if it's Bran. I think just explaining that it's a Stark and that he's also had green sight or whatever would be more interesting. Yeah. Because you have to flesh out more of his backstory. Or maybe that he's a... He's a Stark who has some form of green sight. He doesn't right. have the same as Bran. He's not the three-eyed raven, but he, he has some form. Yeah, he's of... got he's got some kind of power, and obviously he's got some kind of warg power because he's able to resurrect all these people and and control them, you yeah. know, in a sense. So I I think it would be really interesting if if he's a Stark of some sort, given the way everything's going and shit like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they just did that. That it's Bran, but that would be lazy. I think that would be lazy. I don't think it's Bran. I think it's I think it's a Stark who has some kind of warging power. Yeah, I hope you're right. Yeah. I hope you're right 100%. So kind of to tie it all off, you mentioned this earlier about John and his name. Yeah, so his name is Aegon. Right. Right? And you and I, and I asked you about the timeline, right? So for those of you who don't know, who are just show watchers, this would be Rhaegar's second Aegon son. Yeah. This Rhaegar was married to a Martell, and they had two kids, a boy and a girl, and the It was Ra- it was Rainies. Rainies and Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. And they were murdered at the Sack of King's Landing by the, by mountain, the mountain. As you remember from when he fought Oberyn Martell. Yes. And so the whole question came up of why would he name Another baby Another Aegon. baby Aegon. So I asked if maybe Rhaegar, who died at the Battle of the Trident, knew that his kids had been killed at the Sack of King's Landing and then asked Caitlyn, or Lyanna, sorry, asked Lyanna to name his the son, baby, Ray, uh, the son Aegon. Aegon, right? To make up for the one that was lost. And there was also some speculation about that because Rhaegar was very into the whole prince that was promised theory and he thought he was it. And when he realized he wasn't it, he thought his first baby Aegon was it. So then a lot of people think that that's the reason he named... John Aegon again was because he realized that the first Aegon wasn't it. But I did the homework. And as best as I can piece it together, mind you, there aren't like dates written in any of this. Yeah. But this is the way the timeline works out. Rhaegar leaves Lyanna at the Tower of Joy. 
still pregnant, mm-hmm. joins his forces and goes to the Trident to fight Robert. And gets killed by Robert. Gets killed by Robert. The sack of King's Landing happens after. So when Rhaegar gets killed by Robert at that point, his children are still alive. Mm-hmm. His children with Elia Martell are still alive, and John is still unborn. Mm-hmm. After the sack of King's Landing, right, where Ned arrives shortly after the Lannister forces to find Jaime sitting on the throne. Once he leaves Robert safely ensconced in the throne, he heads for Dorne to go find Lyanna, which is when he runs up on her, and baby john yeah so this is a show fabrication my sincere belief is that the reason they named him aegon and not what the name that most book readers thought they were to name him was just because aegon's the most easily recognizable targaryen name they've mentioned aegon the conqueror a gazillion times on the show yep and the name that we all thought he would name him has never been mentioned on the show. Yeah. And so one of the other things was is and we were able to try to go back and there's not much mention of the name of, of the two babies. Of the two babies. That they murdered. So again, this is one of those things where the show audience doesn't really know it, but the book audience does. Yeah. So to the book audience, it's weird that the guy had two kids named Aegon, but you can always kind of just write it off as, you know, the guy was very um he was big into this this whole prophecy. Uh, prophecy. For the show, they're just like, oh, he named this kid Aegon. Cool. And then they can retcon it and say, oh, his first son's name was Raharis or, you know, Jawe or Nawe or whatever the fuck he wants to call him, you know? As best as I can recall, definitely Oberyn Martell never says the names of the children. Yeah. Varys. Doesn't say the names of the kids. I want to say he doesn't. It's hard to separate the show from the from the book sometimes. And obviously, in the books, he does. Side note, in the books, there's a character that gets introduced in the last book who claims to be that original baby Aegon. Yeah. That's a whole other element that they haven't done on the show. The show obscured those names probably for a reason, just so that they can drop this one on you. We all thought, many of us thought as book readers that he was going to be named Jaehaerys. So just really quick. There have been five kings named Aegon in since the original Aegon the Conqueror. Well, including the original Aegon the Conqueror. There have been two Viserys. So Danny's older brother Viserys would have been the third. There have been two Ares. So the Mad King and, and one that came before him. And then the name we all thought they were going to name him was Jaehaerys. Uh-huh. And the reason we thought that was it was because the first king Jaehaerys, there have been two as well, was the best Targaryen king of all the kings. He reigned for 55 years, and his reign was, hands down, the most popular reign of any Targaryen king. They called him Jaehaerys the Conciliator because at the time when he took the crown, they were having kind of a similar problem as they had a couple of seasons ago with the Faith Militant. Yeah. And because they were trying to do away with all the incest and all that shit and really make the Targaryens join the Seven. And the Targaryens never were into that shit. You know, he found a way to mend that relationship. And he brought peace to the realm. And the realm had no conflict, major conflicts or anything during his 55 years. As soon as he died, it was a different story. His reign was widely considered to be, you know, very popular. It just made sense to name John that because John kind of did the same thing, right? He united the Wildlings and the Northmen. Now he's working on uniting the North and the South. After it's been massively splintered and, and broken. Uh-huh. And he's uniting the living versus the dead. So it would have fit more. I can understand why the show didn't go that route. But as a book reader, that's kind of what we were all expecting. 
Yeah, well, you didn't get what you wanted. No, I mean, whatever. I think he's going to, re- like you said, I think he's going to reject the name. Yeah, he's just going to say, I'm John. Yeah, I think he's going to reject that name 100%. Yeah, and that's it, man. That was Game that's of it. Thrones, dude. That was Game of Thrones Season 7. We made it through. We're on the other side. We are still whole, and, you know, overall, yes. I think when you put Season 7 and 7, 8 together, you're going to be happy. But there is a sense of... Because they know where they're going and where they're ending, they need to just put pieces in places. Yeah, they worked backwards. Yeah. They worked backwards from dragon burns down the wall. Yeah, and then went from there. And I understand how that is a way to structure your story, but it left some to be desired as as they were kind of hitting some of those milestones. But the big big moments, they got them all right. Yeah, they did. Last question, really quick. I didn't want. I don't want to forget this. Your favorite scene of the season. That's a good question. I think it would have to be all of the interacting. The characters that we hadn't got that hadn't seen each other for seasons being able to see each other again and then their interactions, those were some of my favorite. Like when the guys went beyond the wall and they were able to talk to each other and, and chill. And then Braun and Pod and Tyr like those were some of my favorite interactions. And I'm so happy that they happened in this season. So it wasn't just one favorite one but if i'm gonna pick one of those that's my favorite it's going to be Tormund and the hound talking <laughs> about brienne nice good call good call what about you i had i mean there were a lot of scenes i like the the loot train attack was amazing aria smoking little finger was awesome but to me the opener of the season aria smoking the phrase that's okay that's my winner winner chicken dinner winner winner chicken dinner <laughs> All right. Like I, to me, that and then the scene where Daenerys gets the Unsullied. Those are the best two season, the best two scenes this show's done. And then number three would be when Cersei blows up the Sept of Baylor. <laughs> those, the the way those scenes unfolded, just so carefully written and meticulously planned out, and just so well acted by everybody. Arya and David Brat, no, David Filcher, whatever his name is, that plays the plays Walter Frey. Walter Frey just did a fucking amazing job. And the dialogue written in that scene when, when Arya looks over after she takes the mask off and she says. When people ask you what happened here, tell them the North remembers. Tell them winter came for House Frey. I mean, that shit is butter, dude. The North remembers is my favorite catchphrase in this lore period more than winter is coming more than anything else maybe valor is close second but awesome dude that was my favorite scene of the whole show all right well that's it that's our show that's right guys thanks again for tuning in remember you can follow us on instagram back of the bus podcast you can email us at back of the bus miami at gmail.com yep. we will be back when are we gonna be back when are we gonna do the fantasy football show? we can do the fantasy football show next week if you want all right i'm, so I'm done with my fantasy football league yeah so i do my drafts this weekend both of them so we'll probably try and get together monday or tuesday maybe bring plex back and we'll kind of go over you know the fantasy lineups guys that we like didn't like so on and so forth and then following that we'll take a, a two-week break yeah and we will get back to our regularly scheduled programs. So, yeah, we'll go back to the structure that, you know, with the Audi Atmosphere segment and then the AP class and the free period. So, you know, so get ready for that. We got some good stuff planned, um, some interesting topics, a couple of guests we'll start bringing on. So we're pretty excited about that. Thanks for listening. We will remember you can always catch us on podcast, iTunes, 
Pocket Cast, Podbean, SoundCloud. Every new episode is up there. Google Play. He gave you the Instagram and email. Make sure you check us out there. Rate us five stars if you love us. Five stars if you hate us. Subscribe to the show on any and all of those platforms, please. We're just kind of throwing it all out here at the... uh, We will see you next time. Have a great week and stay dry. Peace out, guys. See you next time. Again, right. another character doing stupid things that normally the uh, that a normal give the atmosphere. Boom.